0: Is going to be First Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians chapter two. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had a boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity Caring of her own children. So, being effectually desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. For you are witness, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each other of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly with a great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Please join me in a moment of prayer. God, thank you so much for the gospel that you gave to us. Thank you for giving us the ability to receive it, Lord. And now that we have received salvation and peace with God, let us live in that peace, Lord, and be lights to this dying world. We love you, Jesus. We love your sacrifice, the perfect love with which you love us that we cannot be separated from. Accept our worship today, Lord, as you are due all of our praise and all of our worship. You are due everything that we have of ourselves to give to you, Lord. For you have saved us from a fate that nobody, nobody wants to face, Lord. Praise you for that, Lord. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Both. So we have a guest pastor today from Grace Church, Pastor Jess Arns, and he's just uh, such a beloved brother, such a gifted Bible teacher, such a an exhorter and an encourager, and if you meet, if you ever have the opportunity to meet with him, you're going to be blessed for sure, no doubt. And I know we're going to be blessed today. Um, so, you know, if you're a note taker, get ready because no doubt God's going to bring a word through him. So, if you guys could welcome him here and uh, come on up, Pastor
1: Jess, we're so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much. I'm going to turn this over to you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Well, of course, it's a tremendous blessing to be with you all. We we are one family in Christ. We, um, we share everything in common with him. You know, I mean, I, I think about this every time I go to a new place. and I've mentioned this here last time I was here, too, is that you and I, even though we don't know each other well, because you love Christ and you love his word and that's your value, what you value. I know a lot about you. Um, I know what you love and I know what you hate. I know what's most important to you uh, because it's the same things for me. Uh, I was on a call with some pastors in Pakistan, some um, a Zoom call with some pastors in Pakistan, um, and you know, teaching through some biblical stuff through a translator, and seeing their heads bob like this, you know, like you know, amen. You know, here they are in Pakistan, minority for sure. You know, Christians over there, but I have more in common with them than with members of my own family who don't know Christ. And uh, so here, you and I have this shared union. We're, we're united together with Jesus. You and I share uh, deep fellowship. Even though we don't always experience it in person with one another, you and I have fellowship with one another because it's, a, it's an objective reality that we share. So what a cool thing. So, so, so awesome to see you all here and uh, ministering the gospel, coming to hear the word of God, having your kids here. So what a blessing that is. I'm so thankful. Um, Let's just dive into it, since we have the kids here today. I don't want it to—I don't want to drag too long, but uh, I don't make any promises on the specific amount of time, Uh, because I I, always—it's like a time warp when you get into preaching. You you like get up here, and then after a while, you look up and you're like, "Where am I? How long have I been here? I don't know what's going on." So, with that, um, some of you are probably potentially aware of uh, just the things that are being taught in our school systems now, all the way down to the preschool level. Uh, things that I don't want to introduce our young children to, but that they are very eager to introduce to them, uh, that the school board in our town has approved these things uh, for every classroom all the way down to their preschools. And um, uh, you may recognize a a graphic called the gender-bred person, or if you're ever visiting one of these schools, just ask to see one of the rainbow kits. It's just a red box with all of these curriculum in it. and that's, uh, it, of course, it's very concerning because of the impact immediately on those kids' lives and downstream, what, will, what, that, will, what that effect will have on, on our society and on our families. Um, the, the new morality is that our personal feelings are God, our personal convictions are God. Whatever we've sort of become convinced, we've convinced ourselves of, these are our God and must be affirmed and celebrated and even defended and then helped to full flower, right? Full expression of these delusional things. And um, and, and so it's, it's important, I think, that the reason I bring it up today is not to belabor this point that we're all kind of been wrestling through for a while, um, but to just consider the fact that uh, how important what we're doing here is, right? How important it is to come and hear the Word of God, be reminded of His truth, to sing together and to look around and realize that we're not alone in our convictions of the truth, right? And also just to consider that if the folks have their way who are pushing these agendas, that life's going to be very, very difficult in 10 years or more, or maybe even less. Because if you don't go along with this, the, the push is to squeeze us out of any sphere of influence, to squeeze us out of uh, our jobs, uh, out of any government influence, out of any educational influence, right? That, that's the desire, to, to have everyone conform to this worldly ideology that you are very familiar, you know, I know you know what I'm, what I'm talking about. But the Lord has called us to faithfulness. He's given us his truth. He's called us to trust him. And we're going to end up, if things continue down the path and there's not a turnaround in our society, things are going to go down this path, and it's going to get very difficult for us. We're going to be called to suffer. And suffering for us in this Christian life, it's really interesting. We have this idea, this sort of... Um, What's been, the, the term has been coined, moralistic, therapeutic deism. I don't know if you've heard that, that, that term before, or that phrase. That modern Christianity has, has taken on a more therapeutic approach where it's just about being a good person, feeling good about yourself, and somehow being connected to God, right? That God exists, that's really the way that modern Christianity and all religion is kind of morphing into this. That there is a God, okay, we'll acknowledge there's a God, and that His purpose is to make you be nice and to be happy. You see what I'm saying? That that devoid of that is any acknowledgement of our own sinfulness, any any obligation that we have to obey Him, to follow Him, to acknowledge Him as Lord, to submit our will to His, okay? we We think that God exists just to turn me into a nice person and to make me happy, and we can kind of shoehorn in any desire that we, think makes, that we think makes us happy into that concept. Well, that's, that's what we're up against. In our own soul, the temptation to think that way, but also in the culture, and that's what they want to kind of shape us to be like. But Romans 1 says this, and we're not going to preach on this today, but, man, it's just so instructive, so important to be reminded, that the wrath of God is revealed in Romans 1.18. From heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident too. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. As we look around... We don't have to convince people there's a God. They know there's a God. All of the evidence is around them. It's impossible. It's impossible to to look at these things honestly and think that this came from nothing. And when we look around at the creation, his divine attributes are, are clearly seen in his power. Obviously, whatever made this is powerful obviously whatever made this is extremely wise I mean you just look at the way that your body functions or the way that a leaf on a tree is made and then as you even drill down deeper and you look at the atoms and the cells and and I mean have you ever looking at looked at a um, I think it's called a stereograph of a cell right it's it's taking the cell and blowing it up really big and then coloring it so you can distinguish all the structures it looks like it looks like downtown New York with all these structures and all this order and and the way things move and go from place to place in there. These little things that don't have brains, know exactly where to go and where to put the material and how to build it. Unbelievable, just absolutely fantastic, amazing. And they want to say that there's no God. They want to say that nothing created this, that there's no purpose to all of this, right? We know that that is a suppression of the truth in their unrighteousness because they don't want to submit to the God that they know is out there. Professing to be wise, in verse 22, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So, therefore, God gave them over to the lust of their heart, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Verse 26, God gave them over to degrading passions. Verse 28, they, as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, etc. And it goes on and on. But do you see all those all those things are listed? Not as the sins, but as the punishment for the big sin. Do you see what's, what's in there? What's, what's the big sin in there? Refusal to acknowledge God as God. The rejection of the glory of God. The, su- the supplanting of God with created things. Idolatry. That's the big sin. That is what leads us to be worthy of hell. And then everything that falls out of that is unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, slanderers, haters of God, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. All of that, God gives them over to those things. The first fruit of his judgment is that they're given over to this depraved mind to do these things. And of course, I point and I say, them. That is all of mankind. That is us, were it not for the grace of God, right? God breaks into that dead heart and makes us alive. But this is what we're, this is what we're dealing with, right? This is, this is what we're up against. And we, this cannot be handled. This cannot be uh, counteracted through political means. The issue is one of the heart. We can make an idol of political power and trust in political power, believing that if we just get into the school systems and control that, if we just get into the levers of government and control that, and get into the corporations and control that, that we'll be able to fix all of this. And the problem is, it's not, it's not that there's not, it's not a power issue, it's a heart issue. These issues are, are the results of a rejection of God at the heart level. And so the only answer to that is what Romans 1.15 says, is, or 1.15, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So the solution to all these things, there's only one solution. It's not a political solution. It's not an economic solution. It's not a cultural solution. It is, a, it is the gospel and so as we hold firm to this gospel and as, as these things potentially crumble around us and things get hard, and, and imagine a society where people have been taught that they are whatever they feel, whatever they want, that that is their identity. To not affirm that is to reject them, and therefore uh, you are evil if you do that. And the society now is becoming more and more Accustomed to thinking that way, we are going to be seen as the most evil people on the planet. 2 Timothy 3 says this, but realize this that in the last days, difficult times will come. Difficult times will come. Verse 1. Verse 2 says, What will make it so difficult? What's going to make the end times, the last days, what's going to make it so difficult? Is it going to be the dollar, like, losing its value? I mean, no, that would be hard, but that's, that's not it. Is it going to be that uh, America's no longer on top or that China's in charge now or whatever uh, or that Fox News is no longer conservative? I mean, is that what's going to be? No. What, what is it that's going to cause these difficult times? Verse 2, men will be lovers of self. Men will be lovers of self. Their highest priority will be their own self-interest. That's, is, that is what will make it so difficult. They will not only love self, they will be lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, Rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they've denied its power. And he says to avoid such men as these. Things are going to grow difficult because people have rejected God in exchange for these things that they love and want. This love for self and this love for money and this love for pleasure. Anything else in the created order, they love, right? And it's going to get very difficult. And there's, they will have no, no values, no principles, so lying to get what they want is not a problem. The conscience is gone. Uh, violence. If, they, th- if, they, if you th- they think you're a fascist, then they, no holds barred. They can beat you up. They can slander your name. They can get you fired. They can remove everything that they want from you, right? In Hebrews, it talks about how they, they, their property was plundered, right? So this won't be a new thing for the church with, in church history. It'll be new for us, but it won't be new in church history. And what are we to do then? What are we to do? Knowing that things will grow difficult and looking down the pike and seeing, okay, this this isn't going in a good direction. What are we to do? Should we go out and protest on the street? Should we grab our guns? Go storm a government building? Should we rant and rave on social media? Is that what it calls to? No, this this is what it is. And this is our focus today. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, 2, verse 10. 2 Timothy 2 10. This is what we're to do. Okay? You know what's really good about this? Is it simple. So in light of it going to be difficult, this is what he says. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and perseverance. Persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. And Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It will happen. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now here's the charge to us, verse 14. You, however... Instead of of deceiving and being deceived, instead of counter-manipulating, instead of of exerting our power and control, instead of trying to manage the levers of government and and manipulate people to our way of thinking, instead of stockpiling weapons and gold, he says this, verse 14, You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So there's three main headings here. Okay, learn, <laughs> believe, and continue. Okay, Learn, believe, and continue. And before we dive into this, let's ask that the Lord would drive these nails deep in our heart, okay? Let's pray. Father, We ask for your help today, that you would convince us of your truth and motivate us forward, Lord, for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, as we look at this, he starts with you. You, however, continue and learn. First of all, as you study scripture, you have to understand this, that you need to know who he's talking to. The you there is not, the you that he's speaking of is not you, okay? He's talking to somebody, Um. It's important to know who he's talking to before you apply it to yourself. <clears throat> so who's the you here? Well, in 2 Timothy 1, uh, verses 1 and 2, Paul is talking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul, to his close friend and his ministry partner, Timothy. Okay, You guys are probably familiar with who Timothy was, but in case you're not, Timothy was a man who Paul met on, his, on one of his missionary journeys in a town called Lystra. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, and his father was a Greek. It sounds like his dad was probably an unbeliever. He had such a good reputation among the believers there that Paul recruited him to assist him on missionary journeys. Paul had great affection for Timothy, and he invested so much in him that he called him my beloved son and my true child in the faith. So he says to this guy who he cares about a lot, okay, this is not a dispassionate, disconnected relationship. This is, a, this, is a, this is a close relationship, right? And, and it's, it's super important to understand this, that, that Timothy is a guy that Paul cared a lot about, and he's telling Timothy to hang in there. He's not telling him to flee and get out of the way of danger, which is what my impulse would be. Dude, you're being threatened there. Things are getting tough there. Dude, get out. Find a better ministry. Make it easy, right? Make it easy on yourself. He says, no, you... Timothy, however, in contrast with those ungodly men, with, in contrast with the hypocrites and false teachers on one side, he says, instead of doing that, be faithful. Do this other thing. Uh, in 2 Timothy, and this is the constant thing that he's saying to him, he says, 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth, in contrast with the worldly and empty chatter, for that will lead to further ungodliness. See, there's always a contrast. He's making a contrast between these false teachers, these ungodly men, and what Paul is calling Timothy to be. Our, see, our, our temptation in the midst of all the trouble and opposition is to return evil for evil, insult for insult, to go on social media and insult people and denigrate them and, and make them feel like idiots, right? Right? But Paul says here, rather than being like them, he says, you do these things. Rather than getting involved in worldly and empty chatter, which leads to more ungodliness, be diligent to present yourself as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Focus on handling the word of God accurately. Focus on understanding what God's word says and handling it, handling it properly. In Second 2 Timothy 2.22, he says, Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing that they produce quarrels okay so these there's theological discussions out there that don't do anything to build people up they're just fruitless controversies right There are things that are worth standing for, things that are clearly taught in Scripture, and that should be stood on and fought for, right? should be contended for. But there are, like, speculations where you're wondering about who the Antichrist is and what these things mean and random stuff that goes on behind the scenes that's just mere speculation that's not really uh, necessary for your growth in Christ. Avoid that stuff. Don't get involved in that. In 2 Timothy 3, 2, talking about those lovers of self he says for them to them instead of doing that and instead of being like those imposters you continue in the things that you've learned there are many things to pressure god's servants there's many things to discourage them there's many things that make them fearful and timid perhaps even tempting them to give up and fall away your pastors are the biggest target of satan's attacks uh, they're they're involved in in just about almost every burden that 's going on in the church, and they 're tempted to 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 see the trouble and to wear out and to give up that's that is you need to pray for your leaders as much as as you all are facing the onslaught of the devil and the and the pressure of his attacks. you have to know that Satan wants your pastors to fall more than anyone because that will discourage you, right? Not because they're more important, but it's just, it's just the way it goes. If the pastor falls, if the, you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter, right? Pray for them and pray that they will continue in these things, that they will persevere in what they have learned, that they will be faithful. And so as we see this, there's three commitments that will help us prepare for these difficult times. The first, again, is to learn, then to believe, and to continue. The word learn there, it says, continue in the things that you have learned. What are these things? In uh, 2 Timothy three fourteen sa- 3.15, he says that you learned them from childhood. The sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. These are the things, okay? So... Again, we're understanding the context. He's not saying you continue in things that you learned. What if you you were taught uh, in a cult, right? No, he's saying continue in the things that I taught you from the word of God. Continue in the apostles' teaching that were relayed to you, that were passed to the apostles from Christ Jesus unto you. By the way, there's no modern day apostles, okay? So we invest ourselves in the teaching that has come down through the original apostles' preserved in the writings of the New Testament and handed down through the centuries to us. We are stewards of that. We carry that baton. And so we are to continue in those things. Timothy here had been taught that from childhood. Who was it that taught him? Well, he had a grandmother and a mother. In 2 Timothy 1.5 says, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you which, was first, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that it is in you as well. He learned these things from his mother and his grandmother. Moms, take that seriously. Take that to heart. You have a massive call. Look at this. Timothy, because of Timothy's faith, because he was one of Paul's right-hand guys, one of the best men in the history of the church, and because of his faithfulness and because of his ministry, we have First and Second Timothy, which forever are the, the instructions to how the church is to operate. And his biggest influence was his mother and his grandmother. Don't look down on the low responsibility and see it as a low responsibility to teach these children. Invest deeply in them. That you know what? The, um, the ungodly take it very seriously, the indoctrination of children, right? We ought to take it doubly seriously, right? Because unlike them, we believe these children have eternal souls. So, his grandmother and his mother taught him, but he also learned these things from Paul the Apostle. 2 Timothy three ten through 11, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, persecutions and sufferings, the things that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured and out of them all the Lord rescued me. So, Paul had learned the content of Paul's teaching and the example of his life, and he followed him in it. Not just the doctrine, but his way of life and his perseverance through trouble. The teaching is the instruction, that's sort of the didactic, systematic theology type stuff. And then the conduct, that's his way of life, his manner of behavior, his purpose. This is his way of thinking, his godly reasoning process, and how he made his plans and why. Timothy was there to see it. His patience, the state of remaining tranquil while, while awaiting an outcome. That's what patience is. You're, you're at peace while you wait the outcome of something. A state of being able to bear up under provocation. Copy my patience, he says to Timothy. Also, it regards, it's regarding forbearance toward other people. The endurance of pain or unhappiness without lashing out or giving up. Timothy, continue in what you've learned from me. Teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience. My love, you know what love is. The selfless concern for the good of another. Concern for other people with no regard to self. It says, copy my perseverance my steadfastness, the ability to endure, my fortitude, he says. Copy my persecutions. Why was he persecuted? Think of Paul. Everything that he suffered, he was hunted and harassed. That's what persecution means, to be hunted and harassed. He was hunted and harassed. He endured much suffering. You see so much in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 11 or 12, that he lays out all of his sufferings, and you realize that every single one of those sufferings that he endured was simply because he was obeying the call of God to, to go from town to town preaching the gospel, that if he stopped doing that, all that suffering would be done. Not, not to say that we all suffer, you know, just from living in a fallen world, but the sufferings he lists, shipwreck and in and dangers on the road and dangers at sea and sleepless nights, all because he was faithful, a faithful preacher of the gospel. And he says, copy me in that. And then he says to flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from pure heart. These are the things that he, that he learned. And there's so much more that can be said, and no one knows the Scripture unless it is taught to them. Now, one important note for those of you who are involved in discipleship ministry, maybe you're not a preacher or whatever, but you're involved in, in passing these things on one-on-one to people, that's what this is. It's not simply going through systematic theology. It's letting people observe the pattern of your life and learning from that. The value of that is massive. Timothy may have given up if he if he'd only received a letter from Paul and hadn't seen his life lived out in front of him. Timothy, by the way, uh, died. He was martyred. At the, at the end of his life, he uh, confronted a parade of pagan worshipers He tried to reason with them by preaching the gospel to them, and they were so infuriated that they they stoned him to death. That's where he ended up. And there's so much more, again, that needs to be said, but he honored Christ to the end because he saw it firsthand from someone who really believed the gospel, taught it to him, and lived it out in front of him. So we must be diligent to learn the Scripture. We must be diligent to teach the children when they're young. Not just the gospel, but the whole the whole Bible. Second Timothy three sixteen it says all Scripture. The very next passage, the very next verse, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Don't take him to Jordan Peterson. Take him to the Scripture. Don't take him to Tucker Carlson. Take him to Scripture. The scripture is profitable to equip the man of God for every single good work. And when it says the man of God, it's not referring generically to every believer, although it can be applied that way. But the man of God was a technical term used for the prophet, the one who spoke for God. Right? So the pastor here is the man of God. And it says here that Scripture is inspired and profitable for teaching all of these things so that the man of God can be adequately equipped for every good work. And as I said before, that the, the man of God, the preacher, is called to minister in every kind of circumstance. He has to be equipped to deal with, with those who are, who are suffering, who are uh, going through cancer, who have lost a loved one. Who, have, who are dealing with disappointments and suicidal thoughts and sinful tendencies. He has to be equipped to minister to those things. He has to be equipped to correct false teaching. He has to be equipped on all of these things to direct the church. And so if the man of God can be equipped for every good work that he's called to, by extension the word of God has everything that you need to equip you for what you are facing. We too easily Google our problems rather than go to the Scripture. The Scripture takes a little digging. You want to get treasure, you got to dig a little bit. But it's there, and it's sufficient, and it's more than enough to supply you with the wisdom that you need, not only for salvation, but to live a life of wisdom that pleases God. All Scripture is able. Okay, and again, it's saying here that all scripture is inspired by God and that these were the scriptures that he was taught. These scriptures were, were enough to lead children to salvation. You don't have to manipulate it. You don't have to get the music going just right. You don't have to get the timing just right. You have to, de- you have to deliver the word of God to your kids and pray that you don't undermine your message through your own hypocrisy. Right? Right? Live it out in front of them. Explain it to them as you walk and as you go along the way. It's, it's, there's no manipulation to it. It's a straightforward teaching of the truth, the delivering of the truth. Of course, you can't do that unless you know what it says. But you, the believers, the parents, are responsible to deliver this to the children. Not just stories about Jesus, but the whole Old Testament. Everything. Deliver it to them while they're still in your household. Don't wait until they're 21 to, to show them the hard stuff. They need it now. And the, the devil is diligently working to teach, to teach them. You need to beat them to the punch. Okay, so we must learn, right? In the face of all of this stuff that's going on, we must learn the scriptures. Number two, we must believe them. It says that you continue in the things that you've learned and become convinced of. Convinced is the same root word for believe. Timothy had both been taught the Scripture, but it didn't just stop there with receiving it. He believed it. He was convinced that it was true. He believed that they were both factually accurate and that they were wise. Okay, So it's, different. it's, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I believe it's factually accurate. I, it's another thing to say, I believe that it is the best thing for me to do is to follow this teaching. He believed that they were both factual and true wisdom. He accepted the truth that he was taught, he embraced it, and he followed it. Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It will do you no good to have learned the word of God if you have not become convinced of it. And without this conviction of the truth, you will easily cower and crumple in the face of suffering and temptation. So you need to learn it, okay? There might be some things you just don't know and don't understand, and you need to learn it But there are things that you have learned and understood that you now need to ask the Lord to help you to believe that, to believe that he is sovereign and in control, to believe that Christ is all you need for salvation, that there's nothing beyond him, nothing to be added to him, that by faith alone in him, all of your sins are forgiven and cleansed and that you are united in in union with him, are granted eternal life, the inheritance of the kingdom of God. Nothing else. And that by trusting in his promises and following his ways, we can can turn from sin and walk in ways that are pleasing to him. Without faith, without believing God, it's impossible to please him. Consider for yourself, have you learned the word of God but not become convinced of its truth or convinced of its wisdom or convinced of of its sufficiency? Are you are you tempted to believe there must be something else that I need? I'm kind of bored with this. I don't really want to study this. There's something else that I want or need other than the Scriptures to address the problems of my heart, to address my anxieties, my depression, my anger, my fear, to teach me the godly way to run my, my business. Do I need, you know, good to great and, you know, Something Elon Musk said on, on Twitter to give me the wisdom that I need, right? Are you convinced that the scripture is God's word and sufficient for every good work? Are you convinced that of, of true doctrine, of God's righteous principles for life, that his ways are best, that he will reward your faithfulness? You know, that's what it means to have faith. Faith means to believe God and to believe that he rewards those who seek him that there is reward to following the Lord, not only in this life, but especially in the, in the age to come. Are you convinced that Jesus Christ is real? That he is crucified, risen again, and soon to return? Are you convinced of that? Are you convinced that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in Christ? Are you convinced? And here's a, here's a, here's a good question. Are you convinced that he is lose, worth losing everything for? Are you convinced that he is worth losing everything for? That faithfulness to Christ, loyalty to him, is worth holding on to even if you lose the whole world, if you lose your house and your job, and your family, if your kids turn on you because they think that they become convinced of worldly philosophies. Are you convinced that Jesus Christ is worth it? That he is true and good? Are you convinced of the promise of eternal life to all who believe in him? Do you believe that? If you die today, by faith in Christ, you will live eternally. That death is gain. Are you convinced of that? Because if you're not, when it comes down to it, and you stand there in the face of opposition, your, your real God will make itself known. Is it Jesus Christ, or is it money and comfort, pleasure, the approval of others? With regard to your children, work not only to tell them the truth, Demonstrate it with your character and in your plans and your perseverance and your devotion. Demonstrate it. Work to prove the truth to them. Don't just tell them. Solicit questions. Seek out real answers. Don't just throw your hands up at difficult questions. Answer their questions. You know, a lot, a lot of kids report, I saw some study, that a large percentage of children decided by the time that they were eight years old that they didn't believe The Bible. That they were when they were being brought up in the faith. By the time they were eight years old. Why? Often the, the reason they cite is because no one would answer their questions. No one would give them a real answer to their questions. Now, salvation is of the Lord. We can't save them, but we ought to, we ought to do our best to give them answers so that if they reject, it's not because we didn't give them the answer, right? Lastly, So we must learn the truth, we must become convinced of it, and then we must continue in it. You, however, continue in the things that you've learned and become convinced of. Now, why would he need to say this? Why isn't it enough to just, why isn't it enough to just say learn and believe? It says continue in these things. Well, Paul has these things in mind, 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 18, look at this. Go ahead and turn there. Paul has this in his consciousness as he's talking about these things. He says to Timothy, "'Make every effort to come to me soon, "'for Demas, having loved this present world, "'has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. "'Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. "'Only Luke is with me. "'Pick up Mark and bring him with you, "'for he's useful to me for service.'" But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus, and when you come back, bring the cloak I left at Troas and the books and especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. And my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Do you see what his concern is there? Paul has seen people abandon the faith. Paul has seen their faith get shipwrecked. There's a parable of the soils that talks about how the seed is cast out there, and some some of them, the, the seed of the word of God, the seed's plucked by the birds immediately. that takes no root. They don't believe. There's other people who give signs of faith. You know, they sprout up with with joy at first, but then the heat of persecution arises and suffering, and they realize, okay, no, this isn't for me, and, and, the, and it dies away. It, it appeared to be faith. They even thought they believed, but then hardship came and proved that it wasn't real. Then there's another one that gets sowed among the thorns, right? The seed sprouts up. And it's surrounded by weeds. And the weeds choke out that seed. What were the seeds? What were the weeds? It was the cares and the riches and pleasures of life, Jesus later says. That's what choked out the faith. But there's only one soil that produces fruit with endurance, it says. It produces fruit and it continues to produce fruit. That is the true believer. The true believer stays in the faith and produces fruit not you know not all the same amount but they produce the fruit of salvation in the face of all opposition in the face of all temptation they continue to hold on to their faith in christ and so he says to him learn be convinced of these things and continue in these things and by God's grace, the Lord uses these commands to invigorate his people and say, yeah, I'm going to hold on to this thing with both hands. Not one hand on Christ and one hand on the world. Both hands on Christ. My, my trust is fully in him. I'm fully convinced that he is able to accomplish what I've entrusted to him, what he's promised to me. He will deliver it. And so continue. Continue in these things. Continue in the sound doctrine that you've been taught. Continue to preach it. Continue to obey it. Continue to follow it. Maintain your conviction and fan into flame the gift of God. Retain the standard of sound words that you've been entrusted with. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure that has been entrusted to you. Guard that. That's what Paul says. This is a major theme in his writing. He says in 2 Timothy 2.1, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ, and then entrust these things to faithful men so that they will teach others also. 2 Timothy 2.8 says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain that which is in Christ. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. Be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. And then 2 Timothy 4, 1 says this, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ who is to judge the living and the dead. This is a big, you, you can't make this any bigger deal than that. This is the biggest deal on, on the planet. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Number Verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. This is what we're called to do. It's not not complicated. It's hard, but it's not complicated. Study the scriptures that we might understand them correctly. Learn them. Study it so that you get to the place where you're convinced of its truth. If you have questions, follow that up. Study it out. Figure it out. What what is the biblical answer to these things? And allow that faith to form stronger and stronger in you. And demonstrate that faith to your kids and to your fellow members here. And then continue in these things no matter what the cost. That's what we're called to do. It's going to get hard. But God has laid out the path for us. And it's straight. And it's simple as long as we trust him. And then Paul says this, 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So brothers and sisters... Brothers and sisters, there's nothing more important than this. Think of the, the, the time that you give your life to, right? Things that, the things that you devote yourself to. The, the pursuits, the pleasures, the, the social media, the entertainment. All of it is worthless in comparison to this. And if you want joy and conviction, and you want to see the power of God in your life, learn his word, become convinced of it, and then continue in it. And you will see the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we entrust this to you. We ask for your grace to help us to do this. Lord, We, you've promised that there will be persecution and hard times will come, but Lord, we're not... Knowing your promises and your word and your power that's available to us, Lord, we're not worried about it. Those things belong to you. You will use those for your purposes. We entrust all of that to you, Lord. I pray that you would help us to uh, remove the things that distract us, the things that uh, tempt us, Lord, whether it's uh, pleasure uh, or uh, ease, comfort, pride, whether it's power. Lord, these things tempt us to to take our eyes off of Christ to trust in other means lord so lord please help this little church here lord build them up in the faith strengthen and encourage them and unite them lord in this in this uh, endeavor lord may you may they just come around your word like like just a hungry <laughs> hungry a pack of hungry animals lord who just are insatiable Lord, to to tear apart your word, to understand it, to make it a part of how they think and live. Help us all to do that together and to encourage one another in these things. For you are worthy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.